0: Well, welcome back to the podcast and welcome to Starting the Conversation, where in today's episode, I'm going to be attempting to answer the question of how do you build out the services and the packages within your business with Steph. Welcome back to the podcast, Steph. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I think that was the most formal intro I've ever done in all of my life. I don't know what persona I just took on, but I'm not a fan of it. I suddenly
1: got nervous.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you're like, okay, she she means business here. Oh, I'm glad to have you back on because Hmm. your last episode that we did together where we talked about 10k months and just all of the goodness and interestingness that sits Mm. within that topic is by far one of the most popular episodes to date so I'm excited to have you back to dive into I think what we would think is a pretty normal approach to pricing and packages but I think from our experience we realize maybe needs to be spoken about a little bit more. Yeah
1: exciting I can't wait it's my favorite subject.
0: big question how do we build out the packages in our business because for both of us as service-based business owners we would now look at our offerings and there's quite a few things there right there's quite a variety there in terms of topic and in price point and in terms of how we deliver that work and it would be safe to say that we didn't begin our businesses with that kind of what they call it like a library or a suite yeah. of services there? Yeah.
1: A portfolio if you will.
0: <laughs> portfolio. portfolio. Step. I love it. Yeah, we didn't start off with that, but now we have a range of offerings that feels like a really good fit for our business. So For someone who's maybe in the place that we were in where you just have like one core thing that you do, your one-on-one work, and maybe because of what's gone on recently or just because of their business adapting, they're realising they wanna add to that and they wanna bring some more things out. Can you just speak to why we might want to bring other offerings out wise business owners does it make sense to have multiple things Mm. that people can invest in in terms of how they work with us
1: yeah um well I think there's probably a number of reasons at the moment the one that's being highlighted and probably one that we're all acutely aware of is people don't necessarily have the same money to spend that they did three months ago Uh, and far Mm. more cautious about investing uh, and rightly so in the circumstances that we're in so actually having a range of um, price points and a lower entry point right now and actually in the future because clients or our ideal clients might have different expectations when it comes to pricing anyway. So actually having a range of price points within your services is good because it means people might be able to work with you earlier than they might otherwise do. And so you're mm. right, often we start off with like a, a nice chunky offering, which we feel encapsulates our skill set and it's, you know, the value that we can offer out. And we start with that one because that's our passion and what we do. And then we realize actually there might be other ways to break that down to meet these different investment expectations. Um, and also just to give people options. You know, if we have one big core offering, people don't always need the whole thing. <laughs> Sometimes mm-hmm. they just need parts of it um, and giving them that option to take parts of it is is a really interesting thing to do as well. Um, and certainly plays, it's, a, it's an added strength uh, within our, our portfolio.
0: Yeah, your, your portfolio. I'm, honestly, you like I've Steph. literally
1: reverted to banking. <laughs> <laughs> a portfolio of services and products. I need to shake that.
0: It's amazing, though. And like you said, I think there are so many purposes that bringing out more offerings can serve. And definitely, I think the one that you notice the most, which both you and I would have experienced, is like you said, you kind of start off by doing primarily one on one work, and it's quite a kind of chunky offering almost because at that early stage, breaking that down isn't something that feels very easy to do. You know, If you had asked me when I first set up as a coach, okay, offer some smaller group programs, I didn't have the experience of coaching to understand what were the things that I could pull out of that. So for me, I think it often does have that natural progression where you begin with the kind of, okay, here's the main way that you work with me. And then by doing that, you number one, realize that that's not accessible to a lot of people. So you start thinking, damn people keep telling me they want to work with me but they can't afford it i don't want to slash my pricing because that feels right but i still want to be accessible for people i want to have impact like you said i want to offer an entry point to that bigger package and then also as you begin to do that one-on-one work or that primary work more you realize what the things could be that could complement that or feed into that would that be true for how your things have built out, or how you notice that
1: work with clients? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and actually, from my from my own experience, when I started, I didn't have a clue. I, you know, broad range of experience, and I couldn't. It took me a long while to figure out how to distill that down into a service. Eventually, I got to my two core packages, which were great, and they've done really well. But then. I started feeling the need to like you say, you just learn what adds value, you learn like the aha moments in those packages you deliver and think actually that's really important. But I I don't they don't have to book the whole day to get that. I could do that separately or I could deliver it differently, or you know, there are other ways to do that. And so for me, I'm actually in the process of expanding my service portfolio <laughs> with smaller chunks and smaller services that have fallen out of the work that I've done with clients previously because I now know what adds value. And interestingly, when I design my services, it isn't actually the sessions that I thought would add the most value. So if I'd have done this way back when and actually created the whole suite at the same time, it would have looked totally different and actually probably wouldn't be what my clients need and want. so doing it In a more gradual way, has allowed me to really pull out what's of value to my clients, rather than what I think is of value to my clients, which is another interesting aspect to it as well. I think.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and I think as well, there's sometimes a—I don't know about you, but for me, definitely a fear that comes up sometimes when I think of bringing out a lower-priced offering, Mm. because I think in my head I think, oh, well, that's exactly the same value and input of the bigger one, but I'm just putting a lower price point on it so people can get it in a more accessible way. And I think until I really understood what those kind of more accessible offerings could be, I just always thought, oh, well that's gonna be a replacement for. But something I really like about, so you did a guest workshop for the six week thing that I just ran and you talked about kind of pivoting as a result of what's going on, you know, now more than ever that question mark of how do I work in an accessible way is really kind of prevalent is that the word
1: look at us today (laughs) so fancy it's like we're into dictionary
0: (laughs) and something that i loved that you touched on within that is that actually bringing out a more accessible offering doesn't mean sacrificing or kind of throwing away Mm. that higher price point one i'm completely like crapping on all of your words by saying this really badly but can you talk to that (laughs) a bit more about how bringing that out complements it and how we make sure when we're bringing out that new offering it doesn't almost ruin or
1: whatever the word is the work we've already done yeah it just builds on it well and i I, absolutely so i think the key with this and making sure that they all hold value and don't conflict with each other actually a is in how you plan the package um, and how you Mm -hmm. price it so doing that consistently across all of them so that they are Sort of reflective of the value that's going into it but also you know your core service that you've been running with your clients for a while you already know it's of value you already know that people are booking it you already know the impact that it's having and the changes that people have made in their business as a result of it and and especially with what we do you can see that so you know that those core services are right so you don't want to mess with them (laughs) you want to leave Mm -hmm. them as they are and continue with if you know if you want to continue with them, they're, they're a good sort of core to your to your offering. However, you can easily have these individual standalone or smaller packages that complement it without detracting from it. And it wouldn't be about reducing your prices. It wouldn't be about, you know, putting your bigger packages on sale just to get money in when times are tough, which, you know, yes, we're in it now. Also happens, you know, for some businesses in the summer, it goes dead in August. And the worst thing would be to panic then and just slash all the prices. And, you know, it's about creating- Panic pivot. Yeah, panic pivoting, exactly. Um, it's about creating uh, services that are accessible to people that add value, but that complement each other. So it's it's if you do pull out things from it from an existing package, maybe then you can you can take them through that package and offer them, you know, an upgrade. So if they book the full package within X amount of time, actually you'll deduct a certain amount because they've always already had a chunk of it. So there's that kind of option that it leads to. But also mm. it just gives them a, a taster almost of what you can do for their business and how you can help and how you work together, as well as, you know, the impact they'll experience after they've worked with you, that will then lead them to the conclusion that your bigger packages are worth the investment when they can. And so then you are sort of taking them, it's almost like a, I hate, I hate the word sales funnel. (laughs) I hate it (laughs) with a passion. But if you think of it in that way, you know, you talk about marketing in that way, you're moving people down a a journey with you. It can be little things along that journey that lead them to the biggest stuff at the end. And these services, workshops, membership groups, that kind of thing can all lead them to the bigger services at the end or to continue working with you in some way, shape or form. And that's the value that they, that they add without detracting from the the core of your services, the big core. Yeah,
0: and I think something that flags up for me when I hear kind of, you know, your portfolio, if we're sticking with that phrase (laughs) of, of services being explained, is this feeling of like, oh, but, I never wanna be creating an accessible offering which has the primary purpose of just upgrading people to the next one. And that is a conversation that happens, right? People say, bring out something which is super accessible. So tons of people do it, but that gives them a bit of expertise, but leaves them with so many question marks that when off the back of that, you sell the big thing. And I hear that and just think, that feels oh. so icky. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's so not in line with my values. I would hate to be on the other end of that. It just
1: feels like that webinar into sales thing done on a bigger scale. Yeah. and that's an, it. Just isn't a sustainable way to do it. I don't think so. You might you might catch people into it, but they're never. They will feel that ickiness even as they're doing it. And I think you know both of us. Um, we have value driven businesses, and I think if you have a value driven business, your services whether they're small chunks of another service or just a standalone service or a group session or however you're you're going to do it, they should have their own value and their own mm. impact. And that should be whole and complete in whatever it is that you're talking about. And then that in itself might lead them to book something else. It's not about sort of dragging them along a, a well-defined that they have no option but to go down once they've started if they want the full value. That's, yeah, Mm. that's a pretty unpleasant, (laughs) unpleasant way to do it.
0: Yeah, Mm. and there's definitely been for me this kind of journey of realizing that people's natural buying behavior is to move through those Mm. offerings, often from the ground up. And my like total hate for the whole, you buy at an accessible point so that then you upgrade from there so that ultimately you're all spending loads of money with me. I think I'm so, anti that that it's taken me a while to just accept the fact that some people do that and that's fine like that is a very natural progression that I see is that someone will take part in the six-week thing and that gives them a taste of it and then when they're ready to invest in coaching I'll be their first thought and then when they want to come to a retreat that's their next step and in a way I've had to just be like Alice that is what people will naturally do you're not like a sneaky manipulative salesperson for people wanting to do that And like you said, almost allowing each of your offerings to be so set in what their value is gives you, I think just that peace of mind of like, no, I sold that as you you will find out how to do your Instagram stories. It's
1: fine that now they have questions about their website or their email marketing. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's uh, that's also I mean, we we recognise that when we talk about marketing anyway, don't we? You you have like your different topics that you touch on and you know that one leads to another. And that's just the way our brains are wired. Like when we get value in something, and we we do it when we go back to the same shops to buy clothes. We fi- we buy something. We don't go back to the same shop because they've enticed us in and you know, where they're leading us down this cookie crumb trail we do it because we've bought something that we like it's worked out you know exactly as we expected it to it washes well it it looks good all of that and so we've proved it to ourselves and we go back and buy something else and it's the same thing it just feels weird when it's your thing (laughs) because you're like oh they're back (laughs) and what now and are they going to find the same value it just raises a whole ton of ton of questions.
0: I think it's really helpful to have it framed in that way because I think Mm -hmm. so often what we do as a buyer is very similar to the behaviour that people engage with with us, but we sometimes just interpret it differently. Yes. So I think, well, of course, that's how I engage in a lot of other business owners' offerings is I go through that journey. But it's weird that when people do it with us, we can flag up all of these weird fears and thoughts Mm. but in a way i think those fears and thoughts prove that you're doing things in a value-driven way like if you are constantly worrying okay is there enough value in this in itself that there's no need to do a next step but if they want a next step that's a good sign i think that's an okay thing to be asking
1: and i think that's a good way to look at your services as well like when you're planning your services you know if, if you're planning on adding something new is asking those questions as you map out what you're going to be doing is, you know, is this going to give them a complete service? Tick. Yes, it is. Do I have something for them to move on to if they have, if they want to explore another subject or or something connected, but not directly linked or something like that? And then you can map out your services and make sure that you're covering the basis of what your client needs as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And actually that I think, like we mentioned at the start, is best done in a very natural way i don't know if sitting down at the start of your business and going okay i need an accessible offering then i want a mid one which is one on one and then i want a higher price point one i look back at me at the start and just don't think i could have ever landed on what i have now and what i have now is such a good fit for my business but ultimately i think needed to be landed on in quite an intuitive way
1: yeah i think you need to get to know your clients Genuinely, like we can map out as many ideal client profiles as we want, but until you have put hours in with your clients, it's really difficult to know what they need in detail and therefore what you can offer them. Um, So I think you're right. The more intuitive that is, the more organic that is as you get to know your clients, the better fit it's going to be and the more successful it's going to be as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I think a good point to end on is if off the back of this episode, people are likely in a place where because it's coronavirus times or just because of their business as a whole, Mm -hmm. they're feeling a kind of desire or a need to add in that more accessible offering. What would be your kind of summary of good next steps to take and kind of how to do that well
1: so the first thing I would do is sit and review the services that I've already got so for example if you have chunky services what works really well within those services are there any particular parts of them that generate aha moments for your clients that you could easily extract into a standalone service otherwise looking back over conversations you've had questions you've been asked that your clients have raised that or your audience is raised even, not just your clients, that you could create something around that sits within your skill set. And then once you've once you've got an idea, once you've fleshed that out, then you want to test it. So if it's something that's already within a service, you've probably already tested it with clients. That's okay. You can probably just go ahead and work out your pricing and, and put that out there. If it's something new that you've designed, I always Beta to test it. And that means testing it without, with someone outside of your organization, uh, which sounds very grandiose, but it can literally be as simple as putting a story out, saying, here's the details of a service that I'm thinking about launching. I could really do with some support. I'm gonna offer it for, and you know, discount it in some way, maybe half price, get a few people signed up to it. In exchange for the discount, they give constructive feedback. So this is all about them telling you how to improve it what's worked and what hasn't worked so there needs to be an exchange of value there for the discount that you're offering make it structured have calls with them to go through the feedback um, so that they know that something's expected of them but take a few clients through it test it out improve it where's needed and then put it out and I think that's you know that's a couple of steps that make it fairly straightforward to launch something
0: yeah I think that Point on beta beta testing, beta testing, who knows? I think that's a really valid point and something we don't do enough is actually just bridge the gap a little bit more between here's what I think people want and what I think will work and here's what I know works. Like realistically, looking back at like my first accessible offering, which was my online shop, actually, that was a complete fail and a flop because I never did that middle point of just, okay, I think this might be what people would want from me in a more accessible way, but let's check it is. And actually, for me, it took launching that, putting a lot of work into it, failing at it, and then realising what people wanted to launch the six week thing, which ultimately was my more accessible offering that works really well. So I think just that question mark of like, let's double check that, like we said, just because we think it,
1: it doesn't necessarily mean it's true on their end is such a valuable thing. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say like sometimes even the way we have formatted something. So it might be the terminology that we've used, the way that we structure a session, the the workbooks that we've generated, the feedback on all of that helps you give a better client experience. So ultimately yeah. it will improve the value of what you're offering and obviously, you know, everything we've said today has come back to value of offering hasn't it and that just helps you improve that value so sometimes it's not even the content it's just about how you're delivering it as well so it's a really interesting exercise i actually put 11 people through my core offering before i even opened it up to to the to my general client base um, and it was so helpful. It was the most valuable thing I did putting them through and they were stars, superstars.
0: And then when you've got it ready to go, just to touch on from a marketing standpoint, you know, if like we've already touched on it, it fits in and almost feeds off of the work that you're already doing. It shouldn't feel like a hard thing to add into the conversation because it's just saying, hey, here's the the impact and the message you've always known me for. Here's just a slightly different way that I'm delivering that. And if all those first yeah. steps are ticked of, you know, it's a good fit for people, it fits in with what you're already offering, it brings another way of working with you, then people are going to be receptive to it. But absolutely, I think, like you've clarified, a lot of the important groundwork is done before <laughs> yeah. it ever becomes an out there thing yeah. to ensure that then it becomes something that isn't a panic pivot it's not a let's just whip this out because we need the money yeah. but it becomes something that you've then got within your business is a really long-term offering that's going to keep
1: serving you. And that is, like we mentioned in in the workshop, that is the difference between reacting and responding because Mm. reacting means you just do something for the here and now. Responding means that you're doing something that will serve your business long into the future, long when we're past the situation that we're currently in or another one that your business faces. It's something you can stand by long after all that's happened and that adds value long after all that's happened as well, which is, yeah, which is what we're all after, I suppose, isn't it? it Longevity in our business. Absolutely it.
0: Mm. Yeah. That balance between I need to serve what the business is needing now, but I want to do that in a way that's gonna work towards that big picture and not sacrifice anything in the process. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you, Steph. Every time I get you on, I just want to sit for hours and just chat to you (laughs) because it's always such an interesting conversation.
1: (laughs) Oh, thanks. I've loved it. Love chatting about this.
0: Thanks for coming back. I guess this is This is us, episode number two, together. Wow. Is this the second or the third? Second. The second? Yeah. Nice. It's quite a few people that are doing revisits, so I look forward to that number going up because I think the more that we talk about things, hopefully, the more people will realise that we will literally talk about any inside-your-business topic. Nothing is (laughs) off-limits, so we'll go there if you want to hear it.
1: Absolutely. Especially now, I think, like, we're all kind of looking at each other thinking, what's going on in your business? Because I know what's going on in mine, but I really don't know if it's normal.
0: Yeah we're just here to say it is normal and we're all thinking it so let's
1: just talk about it Yeah, best way to do it
0: steph where can people find you if they want to ask some questions say thanks to the episode
1: or anything else so instagram is where i mainly hang out on social media so the underscore creative underscore shed the creative shed is my business obviously and then my website is the same the dash creative dash shed.com is where you will find me
0: yeah cool thanks for joining me thank you thanks for having me over and out i guess